we come with thanksgiving. We thank you that you're a God that deserves all praise and all honor and all glory. Father, we thank you, Lord. May we never grow tired of worshiping you. May we never grow tired of praising you, of giving you thanks. Father, in you we live and move and have our very existence, Father. Lord, we thank you, God. You are our life and our breath. You are the beginning and the end. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are our bread. You are our living water. You are the oil of joy that fills our hearts every day. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. I thank you. You are setting people free right now of every burden in this place. I thank you that you are the burden bearer. Jesus, you have come to set your people free. I thank you for that freedom that you purchased on Calvary. It is ours. We receive it as your sons and daughters in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work and have your way in our lives. Give us your counsel, Father. Speak to us from, from your word. Break forth heavenly manner in this place tonight. We want to hear the voice, your voice, not the voice of man. We want to hear the voice of God. We thank you for the voice of the Spirit in this place. Lord, open the deaf ears tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. to church, yeah, so, um, yeah, we, we bless you in the name of the Lord, <laughs> yeah, God is good. Tonight, we want to further our, our study on marriage and um, taking the line tonight of uh, preparation for marriage and I'd like to answer a question that is on my heart regarding how to find your life partner. How to find it. A lot of us here are young, and I think, you know, it's a word in season. How to find biblical methods for finding your life partner. So if you want to find your life partner, you come to the right place tonight. Amen. So you can... Take some notes and, uh, yeah, be blessed. Yeah. So, Sim shared a word uh, regarding waiting for the bridegroom. And we know Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, it looks like a father preparing a marriage for his son. And uh, he called the people and, and then we know Jesus turned up on in the wedding of Cana as a bridegroom and started spreading the wine around for everyone to enjoy, which we know Jesus is the heavenly bridegroom coming to earth. He couldn't help himself display his glory at his first wedding that he attended, first public wedding, performed a miracle and shared, uh, you know, a type of the Holy Spirit, which is that, that heavenly wine, uh, which we know for us as his bride, it's our down payment for our, in, our eternal inheritance. And, uh, yeah, I just want to firstly say, um, you know, it takes one day to get married and it takes a life to keep that marriage. So uh, I just want to take the pressure off 
Like, you know, if you meet someone, slow down. <laughs> Take your time. And, um, yeah, she counseled with Holly and I have been married 26 years. And um, it's God's mercy, God's grace, he's helping us. Um, I didn't have a, an example, a good example for that. But uh, God has been gracious and, and brought godly mothers and fathers, spiritual mothers and fathers through my life at different times to help me in that. And, yeah, we haven't got um, everything right. We made a lot of mistakes, uh, but God's grace is there and he's helped us. We've always, um, I can say confidently, sought first his kingdom and everything else has been added. And um, as we read this morning in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, uh, the responsibility of the husband is to lay his life down for his wife as Christ laid his life down for the church. Uh, and I believe a good foundation for godly marriage is that both couples would come together um, before they're married and lay their lives down for the church, for the body of Christ. And you just go into marriage with that foundation that his bride, his church, actually comes first and your marriage is a service in his house. Um, obviously, there's boundaries that we all need to keep uh, to honour, you know, our spouse. But the kingdom of God uh, comes first. Your spouse doesn't become your new God. And Jesus is always Lord and he comes first. And, and you join together uh, with your life partner to serve him. So, yeah, may you find... May God bring your life partner to you in the house of God and may you come together serving God. You don't find your life partner and then disappear from the house of God and just live like a married couple before you're married. You, you, you're meant to serve together in the house of God and then when you're married, you do that for the rest of your life and then, then you bring your children into that place. So, um, yeah, so let's, let's start in, in Luke chapter 14. I'm reading from verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, that's Jesus is referred to as he, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil and of spikenard, a very costly uh, perfume. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant amongst themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. So it was the value of that was around one year's uh, wages in that day. So it was quite a, a costly uh, perfume. And that money could have been sold and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. So there was, I believe the disciples were in the room at that time and they all joined in in criticising uh, this woman. However, Jesus spoke up and he protected her and he said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always and whatever you wish, you may do them good, or whenever you wish, you can do them good, but me, you do not always have. 
she has done what she could. She's come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Surely, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So what Jesus is saying is the central point of the gospel being preached was displayed through this lady's life. What she did, her act of worship right then, uh, really summed up the heart of the gospel message. And I, it has been a burden of mine uh, when I see the amount of young ladies that are in the kingdom that love Jesus, it doesn't match the amount of young men in the kingdom that love Jesus. And I, I, I want to tackle that question about how a young lady should position herself in the kingdom in order uh, to be available in a godly way. And how should a young man position himself? Because there's so much confusion in the way the kingdom is actually the opposite to the way of the world. And as we look at a few uh, biblical principles, uh, we, can, we can start um, by, by looking at this, this lady, this uh, lady by the name of Mary, who had been accepted by Jesus and she had received his love and his forgiveness and she had considered Jesus to be worth uh, living for and possibly even worth dying for. Uh, when you do study the Jewish history, you can see that when uh, a young lady would go to be married, uh, they were given, she was given a, um, a dowry, a, some money. In, a, in, in this instance, it, it was a, a flask, a very valuable perfume from India, which was worth one year's wages. And when a young Jewish girl would go to be married, then it was the father's duty to provide up to 10% of his net wealth uh, to give to his daughter when she went to be married, to give the children a, you know, a start in life. And uh, I think that's a good idea. What do you reckon? <laughs> but I, yeah, um, Holly never brought that to the marriage, but well, you know, we can, we can talk about things later. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I'm going to be careful what I say because i got two daughters. Um, <laughs> but this girl was so impressed by Jesus that her dowry price, she broke it and poured it all over uh, his head and it ran down and all over his feet. And what, what that shows us is that she got the message that Jesus came as a bridegroom looking for a bride. And I believe even though she had prepared uh, her dowry price for marriage, I don't know if she had a guy in her life or she didn't or she was saving it for the guy, but she found Jesus to be her guy. And I think as young ladies in, in, in this 
this family, I don't want to call it a church, I want to call it a family. In this family, the first thing that you do in uh, seeking for a godly husband is to surrender your life to Jesus. And not only your life, but all of your desires. And even your desire to be married. Even your desire to find a godly man uh, to walk through this life with. You would give that to Jesus. And you see, there's a principle in the kingdom that whatever you sow, you reap. What, when Whatever you give to God, he gives back abundantly. So this lady had got this revelation and she had committed up to one-tenth of her father's wealth uh, to Christ. And she just, uh, just poured it over him. And even uh, if a young Jewish girl went to the marriage without that dowry, then the husband had the right, a legal right, to reject the marriage. And I believe as we position ourselves for marriage, uh, we must surrender all of our desires to him and encounter Jesus, encounter his love so that he would become your husband, that he would become your lover and that because you will never find a man on this earth that will love you like Jesus will love you. You'll never find a man on this earth that will protect you like Jesus will protect you. You'll never find a man on this earth that's more faithful than how faithful Jesus is. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Man may fail you. Man may, even though you might choose a good man or God may choose a good man for you, he will fail you. He will upset you. He will disappoint you. But Jesus will never fail you. Jesus will never disappoint you. So the first step before you give your heart to any man is to give your heart to Jesus, the God man. He is your heavenly bridegroom and to him, you'll be joined for the rest of eternity. Marriage is for the earth for a few years. But marriage to God uh, is eternal. And that is what uh, we are preparing for. So Jesus wants to be our heavenly bridegroom. He came into this earth as a bridegroom looking for his bride. And we, we looked this morning uh, in Proverbs 31 about a, a virtuous woman about her price being above rubies. And so for the young ladies here, I'm starting with the young ladies and I'm going to go to the, to the men, uh, but you need to know your value. Uh, your Bible says your price is above rubies. Rubies are very costly. You need to do some research on the value of rubies. There's been rubies sold for millions and millions of dollars. They're very rare, red stones, and they're found in in rock layers under the earth. And their, their value is, is more than, than diamonds. Um, so there's a revelation in that, that, you know, expensive rubies are not found on the surface. Miners need to go down deep to find them in the rock layers. And, um, yeah, don't sell yourself cheap as a young lady uh, looking for marriage. You need somebody that's going to pursue you and value you. And uh, you need to wait for God to bring that, that person in your life that's going to know your worth and your value. 
which is far above rubies. And the way to understand your value is to bury yourself in Christ, to give him all your desires, to give him all your passions, and to give him your future. Bury yourself in him, in the rock, and like a ruby set down deep in the rock of Christ. And uh, as you spend time with Jesus, you'll learn how valuable you are. You'll, your self-esteem will increase and uh, you will become his precious daughter, his precious princess, who is uh, suitable for a king and nobody less. So how to, as a spiritual lady buried in Christ, uh, how to attract a man of similar caliber? It's a question because there are not many around. And um, don't be offended if you're a man here, single man, but be challenged. Because, you know, when this lady burst into the party and poured out a tenth of her father's wealth over Jesus' head and um, the perfume filled the air, the young men in the room all criticised her. They didn't get it. They didn't see it. In fact, they thought that spirituality was feeding the poor and doing good works. But Jesus saw it. He understood it. Not one of the disciples understood it. Jesus knew that true spirituality was serving him, was worshipping him and waiting at his feet. But So if you're a young lady and you're pouring your life out for Jesus, just keep doing it. The, the men may not get it, but that's okay. Jesus does. And eventually they will. I mean, we're a bit slow, men. You know, we, we mature a little later. But eventually we get it. And, uh, yeah, eventually we, we wake up and smell the coffee. Or in, in, uh, in this instance, smell the perfume. So spiritually, how do we attract a spiritual man? You let the aroma of Christ out. And how you let the aroma of Christ out, you pour out your life. You serve Jesus. You pour out your life in the body of Christ. You serve God. Just put your head down and don't worry about what the guys are doing. Eventually, eventually they will have to catch up to you. And uh, we know on the day of Pentecost there was a quick work and um, the disciples eventually got it. And, um, yeah, but we don't know what happened to this lady, I reckon she got married. Yeah, what do you reckon? I think she got married. Maybe to a wealthy man. I mean, she sold a year's wages to fill that room with perfume. She just gave it all up to Jesus. And uh, so by serving God in his house, by serving Jesus, by pouring your life out to Jesus, there's a spiritual fragrance that fills the atmosphere. And that spiritual fragrance, it will reject carnal men from your life. They'll be rejected. You won't have to worry about them. But it will attract Christ-like men. Yeah. So that's a good, a good word. <laughs> so we see all the disciples, they didn't get it. In fact, one of them went out and hung himself um, by the name of Judas. And, um, yeah, the story goes on. But what 
I believe what the young women need, what you need is men like Jacob that are willing to work 14 years to gain you. <laughs> That's how much you're worth. Jacob worked 14 years for Rachel. He labored 14 years. That's how much he loved her. And that's how much you are worth as a daughter of the Most High God. So if somebody's pursuing you, just don't be quick to accept it, but let, let them wait and just watch their life. Do they serve in the house of God? Do they lay their life down for the body of Christ? If they don't, then they're not going to lay their life down for you. And don't accept anything less um, because they're just pursuing you for their own interests, for their own selfish love. The test is how are they in the body of Christ? Jesus laid his life down for the church, for the bride. And you want a man that's going to lay his life down for you, but the test is, is he laying his life down for that which is important to God, the, the broader body of Christ. So as a challenge share for the young men. Yeah, women that are hitting Christ uh, admit a fragrance, a heavenly fragrance, and it goes up to heaven. And, um, yeah, it's going to attract. If you keep doing that, serving Jesus, you're going to attract a spiritual man, a Christ man into your life. And um, like David, he... Um, he wanted to marry the king's daughter. And in order to get the king's daughter, he, he went and slayed a giant, just like that. So you you need to attract a giant slayer, somebody who's willing willing to, to go all out for the kingdom of God. Yeah. The world portrays a different message and... Uh, there was a, a lady by the name of Jezebel in the Bible and she attracted men to her herself by displaying herself out of a window. And uh, we know that she attracted this ungodly man by the name of Ahab, King Ahab, who's an idolater. And that's the way of the world. You don't need to attract men physically, that is not going to attract the right man to your life. And it's a spiritual attraction that you have. Women are created with an attraction. And it's firstly a spiritual attraction. And secondly, it's a natural attraction. But I believe you need to guard that as a young lady and protect it um, in order to attract the right uh, man into your life. So there's many examples in the Bible. Um, I thought of Ruth. She submitted her life to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and she said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. She was faithful to serve Naomi, and she stuck with her, and eventually she came into contact with a noble man by the name of Boaz, who uh, was like Christ to her, and and um, she ended up marrying Boaz. Um, there's another story about uh, a lady by the name of Abigail. And Abigail was married to this wicked guy called uh, Nabal, Nabal or something, Nabal. And uh, David, when he was out with his mighty men, 
he was like a shepherd and he would go and look after Nabal's sheep and um, protect them from, you know, raiders and whatnot. And it was time to get payment and David sent his boys over to collect their wages. And uh, this this ungodly fellow, Nabal, he told them to, you know, wreck off, to take a hike. We're not giving you anything. So David uh, got quite upset at that and, and he got his boys together to go and, and sort this fella out. Um, but his wife, Abigail, was quite wise. And uh, she tried to convince her husband couldn't do that. So she got together all of these uh, cakes and raisins and gifts and took them on her uh, donkey or whatever it was and took them to David's men and distributed the gifts and said, I'm really sorry you know, about my husband. Here are the gifts for you. So David was impressed by the wisdom of this lady, Abigail. And the story goes that uh, the, the man got drunk at a party or something and had a heart attack and died. And when David heard that, he said, oh, wow, um, I need to go and see Abigail and take her as my wife. And she became the wife to the king because of her wisdom and because she was wise. And, and that's why the Bible tells us, Proverbs 31, a wise woman, her price is far above uh, rubies. So we can, we can learn practical things, you know, how to position ourselves to draw a king. A king is, you know, a spiritual man who's a ruler in this world. And as, as young princesses in this house, uh, you, you don't want to sell yourself to anyone less than somebody who rules and reigns with Christ, somebody like David, uh, who was a worshipper of God. I'm quite excited, actually, because when I see... Uh, the amount of young ladies that are pouring out their lives for the kingdom, that's actually going to, it's going to draw in spiritual men. That's what it's going to do. So I'm praying for that and believing God uh, with you. It's going to happen. It's exciting. I mean, we know about Esther. Esther, who saved the whole Jewish uh, nation at that time through her submission uh, to the king and her obedience to the protocol that she went through because of her, her great wisdom and her uh, obedience to the voice of God in her life. Um, yeah, so for the young ladies, don't undersell yourself. Be faithful to what God has given you and God will um, meet your heart's desires. Um, so, yeah, is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. God is going to do it. Um, yeah, for for the young men, you know, this it's a bit confusing uh, regarding, you know, how you go about, you know, approaching a young lady and uh, pursuing her. But I, I just want to encourage the men just also just to submit yourself uh, to the body of Christ and Serve him. Give your life to him. Um, don't be like Samson. Samson followed the worldly pattern that we see in the world. And he, Samson had a call on his life to serve God and to deliver Israel from the Philistines. But he saw a, a, a young pretty girl, or what he thought was a pretty girl, and he said to his father, Hey, Dad, go and get me that girl. <laughs> and he said, What do you mean, go and get you that girl? Isn't there a a nice Israelite lady. No, I want the daughter of that Philistine. 
and he demanded to be married to this Philistine girl. And because of that, he ended up losing his eyes and dying. He was blind. The very thing that led him astray was plucked out of his eyes. His eyes were plucked out and he died. He died like a, you know, like an ungodly man. So, man, we need to be careful and not be led by our eyes, our natural eyes, but our spiritual eyes. And God has created the women to be hiders. God has created men to be seekers. But we need to bring those attributes unto the hand of God and into the church and sanctify those things. So just as you have naturalized, you also have spiritualized. And so if you want, if a young man wants to find a spiritual girl or the girl that God would have them marry, then you need to have your spiritual senses on because God is spirit. If you go looking in the natural, you may only be disappointed. Um, but we have to be firstly, so there's, there's three pieces of advice I want to give to the young men in seeking a godly spouse. The first one is be led by the Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit. And these are, these are things that I've applied to my life and when, when before we were married and, and, it, and I found it to be, uh, yeah, very profitable, I believe. <laughs> yeah. It helped me, especially because I, I didn't have a, an earthly father to help me in these things. So firstly, be led by the Spirit. Uh, secondly, submit your life to either earthly parents or spiritual parents in the house of God and be guided, be willing to be teachable and willing to be guided uh, in this area. And the third point I want to look at is considering the prophetic words that have been spoken over your life and consider the prophetic word that has been spoken over your future spouse. There's not, I don't want to mention anything about this test or that test. I think it's all over the world. Um, yeah, you just need to know the person in the spirit whom you're to be joined together. You need to submit all of your desires to your earthly parents and preferably to your spiritual parents as well. And thirdly, you need to see what the prophetic word is over your life and line that up with your future spouse to make sure that your calling lines up. Otherwise, you might want to go to Tasmania and the other half might want to stay in Sydney. <laughs> I'm looking at Nick here. How long have you been married, Nick? Uh, 26 years. Better get that right. 26, 26 years. years. John and Kathy? 31. 31. Wow. They're going to be busy after this. You guys can go and get, get a few tips. <laughs> so, yeah, Nick, um, those of you who don't know, Nick went down to Tasmania with his wife, Alison, and, and they planted a church there and served God there. She wanted to go. She wanted. Yeah, yeah, she wanted. <laughs> they both wanted to go and then they both wanted to come back. So they're here anyway. But I know his story and we, we actually came to know the Lord together and and they both received that call from God together. And actually, how long into your marriage you went down to Tasmania, planted the church? Oh, how long into my marriage? Oh. It's pretty soon. Uh, a couple uh, of years. Oh, no. 
Seven years. Seven years, wow. Okay, seven years. So, yeah, it's, I believe, uh, in finding a spouse, actually, you're not just finding somebody that just to enjoy life together with. You're finding someone to serve God with. And why? Because you, you're soldiers in the army. We've got a battle to fight. So if you come together just purely for carnal reasons, natural reasons, then you're going to be ineffective in the kingdom. But if you come together because the Holy Spirit has brought you together, that you're in submission to godly authority over your life, and the prophetic word unfolds itself in your life, then then, then your, your marriage will be blessed and will be led by the Spirit. So your spouse is your first ministry par partner. And you're in ministry together until we go to be with the Lord. And um, one young honourable guy asked me last week, should you pray with the person that you're dating or should you worship with them? Yes, because you'll be praying with them for the rest of your life. Yeah. You'll be worshipping with them for the rest of your life. That should be the first thing that you do. Should you serve in the house of God? Yes, because that's what you'll be doing all your life. And that's what your children will be doing. And they will come on the journey with you. So when Judas died, they looked for a replacement for the ministry. And how did they choose the replacement? They didn't go around finding somebody with talent and gifting and a certain kind of person. They asked the Holy Spirit to bring someone, and that's what he did. Um, so in seeking a ministry partner, we ask first, we ask the Holy Spirit. Jesus in Isaiah chapter uh, 11, verse 3, you can read that, that Jesus didn't judge after the seeing of his eyes or the hearing of his ears. If he didn't do that, then neither should we. So I want to quickly look at the story of Isaac and Rebekah and how they came together. We know Isaac was a promised son of Abraham, and I believe he was around 30 when he got married. I might be wrong there, but I know he was older. Uh, he wasn't, wasn't a young man at this stage. And it came time to be married, so we know he stayed with his father, with Abraham, and Abraham sent out Eliezer, the trusted servant of his house. And Eliezer is a type of the Holy Spirit. The name Eliezer means God my, God my helper. So the, the job of the Holy Spirit on the earth is to find a bride for Christ. And so the work of the Holy Spirit as we seek for a godly partner in ministry is to find your spouse, to find your partner, to bring together uh, your life partner. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. So you notice in the story that Isaac didn't go out with Eliezer. He stayed with his father. And Eliezer went out and he found Rebecca through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Rebecca was serving. She had the attitude of service. And she was brought and she, uh, she accepted the wealthy offer of the, uh, the bridal price. And she came, returned with Eliezer uh, to meet Isaac 
And it's written that uh, Isaac took Rebekah into the, the mother's tent, into the mother's tent. So we see that when you marry your spouse, you not only marry them, but you inherit another family. So that's why it's good to take some time through the engagement period, get to know the family, the person you're going to be married to, and make sure that you have their approval and you learn, uh, you know, actually marriage is, you know, after you've walked through a period of getting to know that person, you, you get to know not just their positive things, but also their faults. And you get to know the way they are with people, the way they are serving. And, and you get to the point of the marriage where you say, okay, I've, on the wedding day, you say, I've walked with this person and I've seen the way that they are and I've taken on board all their plus and minuses and I am willing to commit my life to them for the rest of my days on this earth. I'm willing to covenant together with them and to walk with them all of my days. So it's a, it's a big decision. And on the wedding day, uh, usually the minister will say, okay, who will give away this bride? And we can see that the father of the bride will usually stand up and say, I do. So we can see there's a submission to the father of the bride. There's a submission to the elders or the parents are very involved. And in this modern day, we seem to just, you know, make our own decisions and just go our own way because we know better. But statistics show that we don't know better. And the amount of marriages that fail is, is more than the amount of marriages that succeed. And it's no different in the Christian church. Because even in the Christian church, we've adopted the pattern of the world. We haven't adopted the, the biblical pattern of being led by the Spirit and submitting to godly authority over our lives or even considering uh, the prophetic words that have been spoken over us. So Abraham delegated the responsibility to the Holy Spirit to find a bride for his son. And as a father, I have a job to pray for my children and ask the Holy Spirit to bring the right people into their lives. You can ask your parents to do that for you. You can submit your desire to your parents. If they won't do that, then find some spiritual parents that will do that for you and will help you. Speak to your revival group leaders or godly people like Nick and John and Kathy or Brad and Karis and David Julie or whoever else is around and speak to people. You know, don't be shy. It takes one day to get married. It takes a whole year to build a, ma- a whole life to build a marriage. <laughs> Once you're married, that's it. There's no going back. And, and, and whatever your spouse has in their closet becomes yours. It's like happy days or sad days, depending on what you inherit. So the engagement period is a period where you 
find out what's in the closet of the person you're going to marry. That's why it's good. It's good to serve God together. It's good to get your hands dirty and go to the mission field together and suffer for Jesus together and see what comes out. Because, you know, when you squeeze an orange, you see what comes out orange juice. But you've got you've to see the person you're going to marry in difficult situations to see what's inside. You've got to see how they relate uh, to the general body of Christ. Um, so there is a seeking within, within men to seek because it, we, are, we are made in the image of Christ, right? And Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But it's a matter of actually surrendering your natural desires to the body of Christ and to the Holy Spirit so that you can be sanctified. So, sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Yeah? When you're in Christ, you're led by the Holy Spirit. It's never good to be led uh, by the flesh, by the carnal mind. The carnal mind is enmity against God. But why is it okay if we're led by the Holy Spirit in a lot of other areas, but led by our carnal mind in the area of choosing a, a godly, a life partner, it's not okay. Um, so just finishing on my last point, the prophetic word, I believe this is, is very powerful and we need to really submit our lives to the body of Christ in order to receive prophetic words. And we need to, part of that is letting other people speak into your life. Letting um, people that are in the next generation, that have been married for a while and have learned a few things, just, just go to them and ask them to, to, to speak into your life and be open. You see that the prophetic word that was spoken over Abraham and over Isaac lined up with the prophetic word that was spoken uh, over Rebecca, and uh, we can read that in, in Genesis chapter twenty-four. Okay, in verse sixty, when Rebecca had accepted the the marriage proposal, the family blessed her. They blessed Rebecca, and they said this to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. And if we go back to Genesis chapter 22, we see God's word over Isaac in verse 17. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And when the prophetic word of the Son of God lines up with the prophetic word on the daughter of God, when they come together, it produces kingdom. It produces fruit. And this word was spoken over Abraham before Isaac was born. 
And without knowing or hearing that word, Rebecca's parents spoke the same word over Rebecca. And this prophetic word confirmed the marriage. So I believe if we line up those three things, being led by the Spirit, submitted to godly authority, number one, your parents, number two, spiritual authority uh, in, in your church, and thirdly, lining up the prophetic words that have been spoken over your life, then your marriage will be a kingdom marriage, your marriage will be blessed, and your marriage will uh, produce fruit. So how to, if you don't have anybody uh, in mind, then I would encourage you to give yourself to Christ, to lay your life down for the body of Christ. And while you're doing that, start to proclaim, call out the prophetic words that have been spoken over your life and call your spouse in in the spirit. Just start to speak them out in your, in your own prayer life. The words that have been spoken over your life that need to be fulfilled uh, with your ministry partner, then just begin to speak them out. Speak them out in the Spirit. And I believe the Spirit of God is going to bring that person into your life uh, in this next season. And whatever you commit to the Lord, uh, He will fulfill. He will meet every desire of your heart. And one, one last, last little thing that, that you can do uh, for a little bit of homework, a little bit of research. Uh, I mentioned this morning that uh, a Job 29 man that marries a Proverbs 31 woman will produce an Isaiah 60 family. <laughs> and Isaiah 60 families will produce an Isaiah 60 church. Job 29, you see... Uh, the wisdom of what a young man should be. And Proverbs 31, you see what a, a young lady should be. They come together and you'll see the glory of the Lord arising and the Gentiles will come to your light and the kings of the earth will come to your rising. God has a plan for your life and he wants to use you mightily in this world. So don't sell yourself uh, for somebody less than what you've been called into. Seek Him and, and seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you. So you're better off going it alone until God raises up somebody that's of similar calibre and has a similar calling over your life. God has called you uh, to possess nations and to conquer territories. And in Jesus' name, uh, I believe you will do it and you will achieve great things for Him. So, yeah, thanks for, for listening. Um, yeah, we might just, just submit our lives to the Lord and we can worship with a, a song or two. And, uh, yeah, be blessed. Amen. John and Kathy will be up the back later. As veteran marriage advice. <laughs>